0: There once was a poor young minister who was newly married. And his wife uh, was uh, a little bit more high maintenance. She was uh, extravagant. One day, when the young minister got home, he noticed that she was wearing a brand new coat that she had gone out and purchased a brand new, very fancy, expensive coat. He was upset and he was concerned and he said, Honey, you know that we can't afford something like this. And she responded by saying, The devil made me do it. He turned to her and said, You should have said, Satan, get thee behind me. And she responded, I did. But when he got behind me, he looked over my shoulder and said, it looks good from the back too. (laughs) They say that laughter is the best medicine. And there are times when laughter seems to release tension in the air, bring about a different kind of spirit. But I want to suggest to you this morning that there are different kinds of laughter. And one that you should only do at your own expense. Please turn your Bibles to the book of Genesis. uh, We've been studying character development in the book of Genesis. We are in Genesis chapter 17 today. Over the last few weeks here, uh, we have been uh, uncovering God's work in the character of Abram. And we're going to pick up the story in chapter 17 of the book of Genesis. If you've brought a Bible with you, Uh, Open it to Genesis chapter 17. If you didn't, there's probably one right in in the pew right in front of you. We're in Genesis chapter 17. And the Word of God says in verse 1 that when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and you will greatly increase your numbers. This is a very similar statement that God makes. Can you, um, can you turn this on a little bit? Hello? It's a little. You can hear my breathing. <sighs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, it, it's a very similar statement that God makes. Uh, and we have been reading the story and we see God appearing to Abram and expressing uh, the same desire, the same promise, uh, but what sometimes we we can 't calculate is the distance between the verses it 's been several years since God has actually spoken to Abram, in fact, thirteen years. The last time God had spoken uh, to Abram, he had come to him, and he had said to him i 'm going to make you into a great nation and Abram you recall responded by saying. I, I don't believe you because i don't have a son i don't have an heir and god had said to him no you will have an heir and we studied last last time then abram decided to take matters into his own hand well at the urging of his wife and uh he got Hagar pregnant and they had a son named ishmael and by the time as you'll read as we'll see uh, the boy is already a teenager So the the gap in time has been 13 years. That's important to notice. So sometimes we read it and it sounds like God is just repeating himself. But there's time in in, in here and this is important. So let's follow along. So God appears to Abram when he's 99 years old and he says, I am God Almighty. He uses an expression, a definition of himself that he hasn't really used before. God comes to Abram and he says, I am God Almighty. Keep that in the back of your minds for just a second. And, and, And he says... Walk before me and be blameless and I will confirm my covenant. Last week we studied that, that God had made a, an agreement with Abram. He had, you, you recall Abram had to lay out the pieces of, of, of the animal that he sacrificed and, and, the, and this, this flame, this torch passed between them as a, a symbol of agreement. And God 13 years later comes to him and says, No, 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 I'm here to remind you what I promised and that I'm going to keep my word. And Abram, verse 3, Abram, we're going to read kind of quickly now, okay? So follow along. Abram fell face down and God said to him, ask for me. God says, now listen, this is what I'm going to do. Ask for me. This is my covenant with you. This is my promise. You will be a father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. This is where the significant change happens in his name. God gives him a new identity, although it's very similar to his last uh, what his name meant but in this case God says you will now be called Abraham for I have made you a father of many nations and I will make you very fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings will come from you and I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between you and me and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you the whole land of Canaan where you are now an alien I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God God begins to expand the same promise that he's made your descendants will be great like the stars in the sky god said if you could count them i'm going to make you into a great nation i'm going to give you this land and and it's been some time in fact <clears throat> it's been about 24 years since abraham left his father's land it's been a long time god made that promise the first time and said, I want you to leave your people, remember, leave your people behind, leave this country, and I want you to go to a land that I will show you. And time has passed. And if Abraham is anything like us, he's probably wondering to himself, when is this all going to happen? I've heard and I've heard, and you've come and you've come, but I don't see anything yet. And God begins to expand his vision for him and he says, And I will make you, not just give you possession, but you're going to make great nations. Kings will come from you amazing declarations last week he we uncovered this was 13 years before when he told them the story of how his people would be in bondage for 400 years recall and God's prophetic vision to Abraham while he was sleeping but here God says but but there will be great nations and kings and this is my covenant I will establish you I will make you father of nations and then God said to Abraham as for you this is what I will do but now as for you this is what you must do. Keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants that after, after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Are all the kids gone? Okay. Oh, I'm just kidding. Okay, we're good. <clears throat> uh, this is my covenant with you, you and your descendants after you, Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between you and me. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household, but with your money, or from a foreigner. Those, even those who are not your own offspring, whether born in your household or bought with money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant, um, I'm just reading, okay? Just reading. It's to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people because he has broken my covenant. Now, you realize Abraham is how old? 99 years old, okay? Just keep keep that in mind. And God is saying, I've made a promise to you. You've been waiting 24 years so far but I will keep my promise. But now, this is what you must do to keep your end of the bargain. Every male among you and your descendants for generations to come, must be circumcised. And God said to uh, verse 15, God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, e, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. E. Her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her. And I will surely give you a son by her. And I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. And Abraham fell face down and he laughed to himself And said, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? God comes to Abraham. He again relays this and expands upon the promise that he has made. I mean, he has given an enormous picture of his future. And he says, I'm going to keep this covenant. But now I want you to not forget the covenant. So I'm asking you to also sign this pact in your flesh. Physically. And then he says, and then your wife, just so you know, will, will have a son. Because Ishmael has already been here for 13 years. That was Abraham's plan, or whatever. And, um, and God says, that's not it. That's not what I promised you. That's not the way the blessing will come about. No, your wife will have a son. And then Abraham laughs. And I tend to think that this laugh is not the best medicine kind. God comes to Abraham and repeats something that he has said before. And and Abraham when he first heard it he believed In fact, the Bible tells us 13 years ago when when God told him, you'll have a son, uh, the Bible says, and Abraham believed and it was credited to him him as righteousness. It's one of the reasons he made it into uh, the Hall of Fame in the book of Hebrews. Because God told him and he believed. But he had believed the first time 24 years ago when he left Canaan. And he had believed again when God delivered him out of Egypt. You know, when he tried to pass his wife off as his sister. And he had believed again 13 years ago. But something happened in the last 13 years as he was waiting and God was silent. And when God shows up and he reiterates this covenant and he says, your wife will have a son, Abraham laughs. Now, I tend to think this laugh is different from the one that you open up your mouth and you ha, 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 you know, that comes from your belly. This is a different kind of laugh. It's silent. It's internal. It happens in your heart, but it reveals a lot more than the laugh that you just made earlier when I told that story about the young pastor. It reveals something more deep, more truly you. And God comes to Abraham, and Abraham laughs, and he says, will a son be born to a man a 100 years old? As I've told you before, the childbearing age in, in, in their times, it's roughly around 30. Fathers would have at least their, their first sons around the age of 30, because you can see that through the genealogy. And uh, um, although they lived 100 plus, 200 and, and further, they would beget sons early on. By the time we reach Abraham in the story, he himself is expressing that 99 is really old to have a son. And then he says, will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Maybe their 90 is not our 90, but it's some kind of 90. And he laughed. And Abraham said to God, well, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing." This is a a, a meekish way of expressing what was in his heart. Abraham laughed and he said, I don't believe it's possible. You're making these big promises. I've heard them for the last 24 years, but I don't think it's possible. And by the way, in case you hadn't noticed, I already made provisions. He's right over there. His name is Ishmael. And he says, but will you look favorably upon Ishmael? He's essentially coming to God and saying, look, God, in case you hadn't noticed, I got this under control. My wife and I, we figured this out already, and it's been a little bumpy, but he's right over there. And God says, Yes, I will bless him, but your wife Sarah will bear a son, and you will call him Isaac. Do you know what Isaac means? Anybody know? He laughs. God gives the names of, of, of his children. He says the name Isaac is, he laughs. Theologians debate as to what exactly that means, but we'll see if the story reveals it to us. God says, you're going to name him, he laughs. And I can just picture myself in, 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 inside of Abraham's mind and think to myself, did he hear me? Did he he just hear me when I laughed inside when he said I was going to have a son? And I said, I'm 99 years old. How can this be? Did he hear me? Because he just named my son. He laughs. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will bless him. I will make him fruitful. Do not worry about him. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. For the very first time, God gives him a promise that has a time window to it. Prior to this, God has been telling him, go. I will do this. I will do this. But there's no no time expectancy. I'm sure Abraham and Sarah have been thinking it's going to happen quickly. It's going to happen now. They're like you and me. Whenever we, we think God has promised us something or we come to God with a question or request, we want immediate answers. But Abraham's been waiting 24 years. But for the first time, God says, no, by this time next year, you will have a son. God is raising, you know, up in the ante, as they say. He's raising the stakes. And on that very day, the Bible says that Abraham took his son, Ishmael, 13 years old, and all those born in his household or bought by his money, every male, and circumcised them all, as God had told them. And Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son was 13. And Abraham and his son were both circumcised on the same day. I don't really have to explain to you what that means, right? Everyone knows. I think, by now. And Abraham and his son were circumcised on the same day, and every male on his household, including those, were circumcised with him. God says to Abraham, I'm making this promise, but now you're going to have to do something to make sure that you remember the promise that we've made together. And I kind of see it as poetic justice for his laughter, that he was 99 years old and had to have a trim. Uh... Not just him, but everybody. Every, every male. Uh, and there were lots of them. Because the Bible has told us that uh, he had acquired great wealth. As he made his way through Canaan in the last 24 years. And Abraham has to make a, a, a decision here. A, a choice as God reiterates his vision. Whether or not he will choose to believe in him again. I think sometimes it's easier when God puts a time window on something. And he says by this time next year. Because it creates in us a desire to say, okay, we'll see. And by this time next year, I'll see. You know, there will be proof by this time next year. And the Bible tells us that God appeared again to Abram. This is chapter 18, just follow along with me. Near the great trees of memory while he was sitting there, and Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. And he said, If I have found favor in your eyes, uh, my Lord, do not pass your servant. Let, uh, let a little water be brought, and then you can wash your feet, rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed on your way now that you have come to your servant. This is a uh, uh, not significant amount of time has passed, but. Um, He's just uh, spending a day, and when he notices three visitors coming through and, 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 and using uh, their idea of hospitality, he stops these strangers and he says, Please, now that you're passing my way, let's, uh, let me get you some food, some water, rest up here uh, before you continue. And <clears throat> they said very well. And uh, they said, do as you say, verse 6, so Abraham hurried into the tent of, to Sarah, and he said, quick, get three uh, seeds of fine flour, knead it, bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd, selected a choice tender calf, gave it to a servant, hurried to prepare it. And then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that they had prepared to sit up before them. And they ate and stood on a tree. And then they asked them, where is your wife Sarah. Now, theologians debate as to whether or not Abraham recognized who these men were as they were passing by. But it's quite possible that he did not know them. He was just being hospitable. And as they were passing through, he says, hang out for just a second. They prepared a meal. But when they sit down to eat, and as they're eating, they say to him, where is your wife, Sarah? Now, here's the thing. If some stranger asks for your wife by name, that should should make you nervous. Somebody you've never met says, where's your wife and calls her by name? You should start to wonder. And they said, where is your wife, Sarah? And then he said, well, she's in the tent. As, as tradition would have it in their day and age, the women didn't really come out. In fact, it would be highly inappropriate for some stranger not only to know your wife's name, but to ask for her. Uh, I, mean, I can't even imagine someone came to knock on my door and said, hey, is Lily Beth in there? And like, and who are you? Wouldn't that be weird? Does that happen to you? I hope not. But she was in the tent, and usually uh, the women would, would be in the tent, usually eavesdropping on the conversation. I don't know if women still do that now. But usually they were by the edge of the tent. They would not come out uh, while uh, the men were, you know, having discussions, but they would be near the tent, eavesdropping in in the conversation, and they said, where's Sarah? And he said, well, she's in the tent. Then the stranger, verse 10, says this, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And suddenly, a big light goes off in Abraham's head mind. Where have I heard this? Where have I heard this? And now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent. I, I'm not making it up. It's biblical. Women eavesdrop. It's right there. Sarah was in the tent listening. And Abraham or Sarah were already old and advancing years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself and said, after I am worn out, I like the way she says that, <laughs> after I'm a, I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Sometime before when Abraham had, call, had been called of God and told to leave and told that he was going to become a great nation, I'm sure he told his wife. And it's very possible, like 24 years ago, she thought to herself, well, I'm a pretty young, what would it be, 60 uh, something." I still got it maybe this promise could be true but 10 years wandering in the desert it was wearing on her and then after that when she hit 80 or 77 or so she says I can't wait anymore let's, let's have Hagar bear this child for me she's having a realistic look at herself and she says look, let's, let's all kidding aside I'm worn out there's no way I can carry a child now And the man says, by this time next year, your wife, Sarah, will surely have a son. And she says, ha, ha, ha. And then the Lord says to Abraham, why did she laugh? Why did she laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? It's as if he can hear her heart. Why? Because as Abraham is realizing... This is a messenger from God, if not God himself. Why is she laughing? Why is she saying, will I not have a child that I'm so old? And then there's this phrase, is anything too hard for the Lord? I want you to ask yourself this question. In terms of the story, you know what happens, obviously. But put yourself there in the scene for just a moment. You're watching this exchange take place. You've heard Abraham's story, wandering for the last 24 years. You know his son, they just got circumcised a few days ago. You heard the tale. And now you hear these strangers and they say again, no, she's going to have a child in this next year. And then the question, why are you laughing about that? Why is that funny? Is it funny to you that God would promise a 90-year-old woman a child? Does it seem funny to you? Does it seem ridiculous? It is. It is. It is impossible, in fact. But that's the thing about God and what he comes, is that God is not asking us to do what is humanly possible. That we could do on our own. God is not asking, has never asked Abraham to go find a better place to live for his own sake. He hasn't said, you know what, do what you want, get a better job, look for a nicer place to live. Go find some meaning in your life, something that makes you happy. That's never been God's purpose. God calls Abraham out for the sake of the world. For the sake of all the nations that would bear his name as father, including us God calls Abraham out to do something that only God can make possible. And it appears, as we relay the story here in the the development of the character of Abraham, that he kept getting confused and kept getting small-minded in his thinking, and he kept thinking that essentially it was going to be up to him to make it work out. And Sarah is right there with him. How can God give a nine-year-old woman... A son. Now that I am worn out, <clears throat> and the Lord says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? See, here's where I am with you, church family. <clears throat> if you are on a journey right now, doing tasks, doing, aiming only as high as you think you can go, then you are not on God's journey. But if you find yourself, if you find yourself trying to tackle what seems like insurmountable challenges, if you find yourself in a position trying to live out a dream or a calling or a purpose that God has planted in your heart that seems impossible, then God comes along and says, it is impossible for you, but not for me. I'm telling you this because I have a sense and I'm convinced in the same way that God has spoken to me, he has spoken to you. I believe with all my heart that he has given you as a father, as a businessman, as a church member, as an elder, as a leader, some significant promises. And he has called you to do some inexplicable things that you and I laugh to ourselves and say, that will be the day. But God comes and he says, is there anything that's impossible for me to do? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Just look around at your own circumstances for just a second. Look at the challenges that you're facing right now, right now, and that you look and you say, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. This I can handle, this I can handle, but I don't know how I'm going to get through this situation. I don't know how I'm going to repair my relationship with my son. I don't know how we're going to financially make it. I don't know how this ministry is going to get off the ground. And God says, if I'm the one who made the covenant with you, I will keep my word. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? No. Absolutely not. That's why he's God. That's why he's our God. That's why he makes this covenant and says, for generations to come, I will be your God. I will bless you, and I will bless the world through you. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Mm -mm. The laugh that you and I express is at our own expense. Because the only thing that God needs to make the impossible possible is your trust, is your belief, is your willingness to let him do it nothing else stands in his way. Absolutely nothing else can stand in his way because there's nothing that he cannot do in your life, my life, in our church.